2: Every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. On
0: today's episode, we're asking if John Cena can ever give the attitude adjustment to The Rock at the box office. Is it truly a bad time for indie games? A WrestleMania preview. And why are we mad at Ready Player One? All this and more as we reach our next stop the PCC Multiverse.
3: Don't be alarmed. The quasi shimmering light before you is a trans dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse.
0: Welcome back once again to another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and GameSource. We truly want to thank you for tuning in and listening in on today's program. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend, he is the man myth the legend behind Humanican Media. You got to check out all the great stuff that's going on with their program at HumanicanMedia.com. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend?
4: Hey, hey, hey. Just uh, getting ready to go on a trip here, man. You caught me at the perfect time on my way out. So I'm excited to uh, to do this.
0: And say, I will see you guys later. Something like that.
4: Yeah, that's what I was going for. I was going to do uh, Hasta La Vista because nobody's ever done that before. That's completely original. I just trademarked it. <laughs> uh,
0: maybe not. Well, speaking of which, our best to Arnold Schwarzenegger, the second celebrity we've had to say get well and best wishes to in the past couple of weeks with Kevin Smith being the other. He, I know he just got out of, oh, I believe, open heart surgery. So all the best to Mr. Schwarzenegger on that. and And I hope he gets well real soon. We definitely have a great show for you. We have Rob McCallum is back in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Also as well, we've got Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. He's going to preview this weekend's WrestleMania. We're going to be talking about Daniel Bryan's return to the ring. Is The Undertaker going to be there against John Cena and a whole lot more? But first, Josh... John Cena, speaking of which, is not only trying to be at WrestleMania, facing off against The Undertaker, but he's also going to be appearing in the movie, well, I can't say the first thing that they have insignia for, but Blockers, I guess the running title of it, because you really don't want to say the first part of it unless you're doing something NSFW, but it is coming out this weekend. I want to ask you, John Cena in the past few years has made a concerted effort to try and transition himself into more of a general box office movie star. This Blockers movie and also the movie he's also working on that's coming up later down the road, Duke Nukem, are decidedly different from being family-friendly fair. So I ask you, Josh, is his turn going into more hardcore, a little bit more adult subjects? Is that something that you see as a good thing for him to do? Or do you see it as a maybe a possible detour from him trying to either get at the level or surpass Dwayne The Rock Johnson?
4: He already has an issue with people not taking him seriously. And I don't think that going after more hardcore films is going to really destroy his reputation especially since his reputation isn't really much of a reputation at this point like he's oh he's already been in some adult themed films like what was the one with uh, bill Hader and uh
0: amy schumer and all that yes yeah that's true and he did show us a comedic side i think that's one of the first roles that actually showed some promise and some breakout material there as far as for his standard on what he could do daddy's home too obviously he had a role there as well but I don't know, when it comes to the decisions that he's making, Duke Nukem, I got to question that one because I do not see him as the Duke Nukem per se, For from my standpoint, as someone who has played Duke Nukem over the years and know exactly what kind of individual that he is as far as within the video game sense and what kind of mouth he has and what kind of his attitude is, as opposed to John Cena, who's courted many times in his career in the wwe more of a family-friendly type atmosphere
4: okay so here's the thing like he's smart in the fact that you know he is going for movies like duke nukem because he's not i guess pigeonholing himself into a certain type of role whereas the rock kind of had a rocky transition into other types of films after doing stuff like you know mummy returns scorpion king the rundown like he was he was the guy he was the action film guy he's like jason Statham but John Cena is just doing anything and everything. So he's not just targeting one section of fans, but he's targeting a lot of fans. And I don't, you know, you can be in a hardcore movie and still be considered a guy who can play in a family movie. I mean, we've seen that he's still been in something like
0: uh, voicing the role of Ferdinand the bull in in the movie Ferdinand that came out in, in uh, late 2017.
4: Right. So he, you know, he, he can go from being in Duke Nukem to, uh, you know being in a kids movie or whatever but you know look at vin diesel too like he he tried it and you know after being in movies like pitch black and uh boiler room and stuff like that and then he went into the pacifier which was a weird thing but like john cena is i don't he just seems like a cool guy He seems like somebody that you you could sit down have a beer with your family so you go out to dinner together and you know despite whatever he's in it's still like he's not getting stuck in that type of genre because even with Duke Nukem it's kind of what I'm imagining it being is kind of like Deadpool because even the games were kind of like that where it was you know had the funny dirty comedy type stuff but I think he's doing pretty well for himself he's he's a lot of people have tried to venture outside of wrestling and and just failed miserably but he's actually doing okay at it
0: do you think John Cena eventually will be at that level where he can match box office power with The Rock <laughs> because right now rock can even power bad movies everybody wants to talk about baywatch and failed it was whatnot but look at the overall numbers for it only the power and the name of the rock could do that and rock has also powered off more average films to box office relevance than pretty much any other person at this point in time right now he reminds me a lot of Schwarzenegger and Stallone, how they could go and get bad movies or even mediocre movies and put them in a higher realm just because of their name. And certainly he's going to be tested upcoming with two movies that really aren't shaping up to be Oscar winners in Rampage and Skyscrapers. So be that as it may, I mean, do you see Cena ever getting to that point where he can be at that level or even better as far as being able to be a box office name that can propel virtually any type of movie to relative box office success?
4: Here are my thoughts on that. People like John Cena, people like The Rock, but people don't like John Cena for the same reason people like The Rock. Even in wrestling, The Rock is a more—he was a more serious character from a more serious time on that platform. Today, John Cena has become had the unfortunate circumstance of coming up to fame in the time of the meme. So you have uh, John Cena has kind of become the wrestling meme or like, you know, in dramatic, they show those little gifs or whatever. Dramatic things are happening also. And John Cena. They have all those have been like plastered the Internet for a long time. So, you know, he has the potential for momentum, but I don't think he's going to get the momentum The Rock has, at least not for the same reasons. If anything, we'll see John Cena maybe sticking more to comedies, whereas The Rock he has a more diverse palette as far as what he's able to do. John Cena... What's working for him is that he's aware of himself, but I don't think that he's ever going to reach the level of fame that The Rock has unless he has the fortune of getting into a franchise, you know, a franchise like Fast and the Furious or, you know, what have you. Something that kind of gets him into a movie with really high box office numbers until he gets there. I don't think he's going to be able to reach the level of fame that The Rock has. I agree with you on that. I think that he's going to
0: reach a level where he can pretty much be himself as far as comedies that will get him over to a certain extent. But being able to propel an action adventure film of the nature of what The Rock has done with San Andreas, Jumanji, you know, all the other big hits he's had over the recent years, and why he's the biggest actor at the box office right now. I don't think he'll ever get to that point, but I do see a successful run from John Cena as long as he makes sure and tries to get roles that he knows he can excel at. With blockers, it probably needs to get around $25 to $30 million for a weekend that might surpass what Ready Player One will do in his second weekend. Do you think blockers will actually see a successful weekend at the box office and you think it might actually nose itself ahead of Ready Player One?
4: No, I don't think it's gonna do that good, but it's going to be you know, I don't wanna put it down right away, but
2: <laughs> you, you, you kinda did.
4: Because <laughs> Ready Player One, it's its second weekend and you look at the numbers. What was the what was the total from last weekend?
0: about 53 which means if it does half that you're talking about 27 or even if it's like a slide even similar to what Pacific Rim Uprising had you're still talking about a 22 to 25 million dollar weekend I think it'll hold a little bit stronger than Pacific Rim Uprising because that really tanked in its second weekend so I I see around a 25 million dollar weekend at the box office for Ready Player 1 so blockers may surprise in my opinion and might actually get above 20 million and could possibly sneak out the weekend but it would have to be above 25 million dollars in my opinion domestically here at the box office this weekend in order to be number one
4: i don't know with movies like that they hit or miss so like i'm i guess it's all going to depend on the reviews or or how interested, because they haven't exactly done a great job of marketing blockers because i've seen very few posters very few billboards on i've you know, the only reason like I knowledgeable on it is because I've heard people talk about it on different podcasts, and I've seen the trailer maybe like twice. That's and awesome. it's
0: got the rooster, and obviously there's another connotation to that, but we won't go into
4: that, right? And it's the same. You know, it's like how when the hang, obviously, The Hangover had a lot, but like it's one of those movies where like kids are like, "Oh, this is the forbidden fruit. We got to go see this, and then we're going to quote it for the next twenty years." So th- it's got you know, it's got that working for it, but I just don't see a lot of people who are hyped about it are not people or that I know that are hyped are not people who are hyped enough to go see it in theaters. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But as for Ready Player One, like at least they have on their side, like you're not seeing a lot of negative reviews, but instead you're seeing explanations for all the Easter eggs and that's creating more curiosity. So I think that maybe they're going to do a little better than what we're predicting. But, you know, we won't know until the numbers come in.
0: Or differences within the book versus the film. That's the only thing I'm really seeing as far as the, that's concerned. As far They're not saying that it's bad. They're just saying it is a difference from the book, from the film.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, last week I called it. I said they're going to hire someone to uh, adapt Armada. And then I was reading a news article today saying that they did. So go me.
0: That was a good call and something, obviously, you could tell with the success of Ready Player One. Had it tanked, uh, that same person probably wouldn't be getting a job today, as far as that would go. But while we're on the subject of Ready Player One, I think you and I read an article about an interview. I believe Ernest Cline made the comments that said, in a certain scene, and you know what, we're just going to break it down for you. And if you don't want to hear spoilers right now for Ready Player One Might just want to tune out for the next couple minutes on what we're going to be talking about. But in Ready Player One, the actual attempt to get the second key, it was different from the book and what they had to do. In the film, they went through a stage that was created from a zombie game in the setting of the 1980 movie The Shining. The setting was originally supposed to take place in, get this, Josh, the setting in the world of Blade Runner. I was really irritated and angry when I read this and, and thought, man, they're just crazy not to go ahead and to, to have delved into that world for the second key adventure. So I ask you, do you think I'm nuts about preferring Blade Runner over The Shining as far as the setting for the second key? Or do you think that was probably the better way to go as far as Blade Runner over The Shining?
4: It pains me to say this, dude, but I get why they did it the biggest complaint I hear about Blade Runner. I know, I know. And not necessarily Blade Runner 2049 because I freaking love that movie. And they were saying the reason they didn't was because they didn't want that property being used in another thing while they were filming 2049. Blade Runner, the the biggest complaint I hear is even from people who love the second one, they're like, they just couldn't get into the first one. Like, it was just too confusing. And And I get that. Like, I we're smart, you know, me and you. We're 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 smart dudes. So we we know what's up with Blade Runner. We've we we can we can cling on to that story pretty well. But as far as like reaching out to a wider audience, The Shining obviously like is you can have a little more fun with it whereas like, you know, you had the comedy aspects of that that part in Ready Player 1 with H. Yeah, you had the comedy parts with H. Yeah, you know the the parts where he's like flailing around and stuff. So
0: And but the thing to me is You know, First of all, they couldn't get Jack Nicholson's likeness. That was a separate thing altogether, and they ultimately couldn't get that. So you can't get the most famous thing that even people who have never seen the movie, like you said on last week's episode, so many of your friends didn't see The Shining and have no idea of it. But they know when he pops through the door and his head pops and he goes, here's Johnny. They couldn't use his likeness in it. So really, to me, it was wasted material. The Shining is nothing without Jack Nicholson's character in it. So to me, that was just just very disappointing. And for me, who loves Blade Runner, tells you how sad and how angry I am for them not choosing to go that route. What are your thoughts on The Rock versus Cena as far as at the box office? Do you think the Cena can ever match up to the rock as far as being a box office star and also as well on ready player one were you happy with the second key scene or did you think that blade runner would be a better option for achieving the second key goal in the movie than what was used as far as the shining is concerned share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos Humanica media and game source on facebook and twitter as well Again, we're going to have a great episode. We have got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's got some great pop culture talk coming up right after the break. And also as well, a little later on, we've got our good friend Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast About Nothing. He's going to stop by with a preview of WrestleMania. We'll also be breaking down our latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is Captain America Civil War. And are indie games in trouble? We're going to be talking about that and a whole lot more. This is the
3: PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from robmccallumfilms.com. robmccallumfilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching.
0: And it is time once again for the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you so much for listening to the show today. It would definitely not be a cosmic crossfire without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind robmccallumfilms.com. You got to check out all the great things going at Rob McCallum Films, including the smash hit that sold out on Amazon. It's the amazing Kitty documentary, and here he is now my good friend, the director, Rob McCallum. What's going on, man?
3: Oh, just living the dream and uh, gearing up for a really busy month, April 2018. I will be run off my feet. It is nice that we're out of March. And like, as you said, the Kitty Doc has been released to much uh, fanfare for sure. And a lot of critical acclaim as, as the press starts rolling in and we're really excited to have that out there. And it's, it's you know, by far one of my favorite projects that I've done for a variety of reasons. So anybody that has, you know, Amazon, go go order it now. It, it may be out of stock because they did sell out on their opening day and it shot up to number one on the metal charts because it's included a live CDs part of that set. So check out Kitty Origins Evolutions here. The, uh, the tale of the heavy metal band uh, that started with a group of teenagers who wondered, wouldn't it be great if we were rock stars? And they got to live the dream, for better or worse. And 20 years later, they're here to tell their story.
0: So, my friend, there is a lot going on in the realm of pop culture. So, pray tell Rob, what's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture?
3: We are going to talk about some sequels, of course. And uh, these are two films that have been in development for a very long time. And this is more just kind of what do you think? Which one would you rather have out there? What are the compelling reasons for them? Do we even need them? And up on the sequel wars this time on the Cosmic Crossfire is Beetlejuice 2 versus Bill and Ted 3.
0: Both have been talked about at length. I don't need either one of them per se because Bill and Ted 2 is really bad.
3: No, Bill and Ted 2 is like one of my favorite movies, Gerald. You're oh, fired. It's
0: just William Sadler's performance as Death was cool. Uh, that, to me, was a saving grace of the movie.
3: It is the film I have seen more than any other film. I have seen it over 800 times.
0: Wow. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have seen it a couple times myself. It's just, But it just doesn't match the original to me as far as maybe it's just the novelty of it and things of that nature. Maybe it's the fact that I saw Bill and Ted in the theaters and maybe I experienced Bill and Ted in a different fashion. And you weren't
3: too far from San Dimas.
0: That's true. But I will say this, that of the two, I could probably take a Bill and Ted three over a Beetlejuice two, even though I have seen both.
3: Which of the two do you think it's going to be harder to hit the mark with?
0: It would probably be a Beetlejuice. I mean, yeah, Michael Keaton, I'm sure is keen to doing it. I'm sure it's still going to be something that that's presented well, but to have that same kind of magic that the original one did and the same kind of specialness that that I think that movie created, I think that one's going to be hard to capture. Bill and Ted's three is, you don't really have to do a whole lot there, just entertain, just have some goofy jokes and go into different time frames, And there you go. I mean, have some type of goofy offhanded story where they reach back into the phone booth and dial up some more time zones. There you go. It doesn't really have to be cutting-edge entertainment, uh, whereas with Beetlejuice, I think it has to be more well-thought-out, I think is probably the best way I could say it.
3: Which do you think would be remembered more if they both came out?
0: Beetlejuice too.
3: Really? And you're and you're assuming that it hit the mark and, and all that, and it lived up to the hype?
0: Yes, that would be that case. Even if it doesn't, if it flops, then it probably would be more remembered for being a flop after so many years than a Bill and Ted 3.
3: I don't know. I liked, I like the idea of Bill and Ted trilogy as a, as a as an entity as a presence. I just uh, I just think there's less risk. I think there is more upside. I think going into it like you said you know all it has to do is entertain, go on a off the wall kind of journey, have some fun, be ridiculous in the best possible way. I think because expectations on something like that are so low, it could s- easily overperform.
0: And I agree with you on it. And that's what I'm trying to correlate. Whereas the expectations with a Beetlejuice 2 would be much higher.
3: And that's why I say I think Bill and Ted 3 could be more memorable of the two. Because going into it, you're like, oh, it's just a Bill and Ted movie. And then it just like becomes this awesome thing where it's excellent. And you can party on, dude, through all 90 minutes or two hours. Versus hoping that the CG or the effects and the creature work and Beetlejuice holds up and that the storyline is creepy and macabre and makes sense. And of the two, I say definitely Greenlight Bill and Ted 3 because I don't think there's anything really precious there. I think it's it's going to be a fun romp. But Beetlejuice, it's like, do you want to do Godfather 4? Not really. You know, let let that be its own thing. You don't want to mess with what worked. And what's kind of a holy grail on its own. Like leave that kind of alone. Well, that'll do it for the Cosmic Crossfire. If
0: you have a question for Rob about the show itself, maybe about a topic or about his great projects, including the Kitty documentary Origins and Evolutions, Missing Mom, Nintendo Quest, or the upcoming Kickstarter project on April 24th, just give him a shout out.
3: What could it be? What, could, what it be? could it be? What could it be? April 24th. Tune in and find out. Of course, listen here, and you'll hear more tidbits as we go. This is the exclusive source of information for said secret project. And uh, yeah, there'll be lots of stuff in the works.
0: But if you have questions, send it to us here at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Or you can shoot any of us at DM right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, Game Source, or Rob McCallum Films on Facebook or Twitter But Rob is a little different on Twitter. It's at Rob McZob. Rob, again, it's been great having you on the show, part of the Cosmic Crossfire, and of course, a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Want to make sure and let you know our shows are being streamed seven days a week on online radio and that we deliver two brand new shows covering the latest in pop culture every Monday and Friday to Apple Podcasts or our over 30 different podcast networks. Just subscribe to any one of them on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel to get extra content, or just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page for our entire radio schedule and a list of all those podcast networks, or at least the ones that we know about, anyways. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on when it comes to Humanic Media. So share to the world out there what's going on with your great thing known as Humanic Media.
4: We have. New topic: Topicocalypse, you should definitely check that out. It goes into a lot of things that are near and dear to our hearts. Video games, mostly, and the political landscape they now find themselves in. It's also a new episode of Super B.S. going up. But uh, you can check out our show on the podcast radio network, 7 o'clock, Tuesday.
0: That's right. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You got it right, my man. You got it.
4: Yes, woot.
0: Indeed, it is the Attack of the Mannequins, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. If you listen to this show and you download it, as a bonus, you will hear the PCC Multiverse from last week with our Ready Player One review, with our conversation with Jay Bartlett of Nintendo Quest on Solo, and Vince Atullo from That Sports Card Show. We're also going to talk to him as well. That's all coming up as bonus material if you go ahead and listen to this podcast, or you can find the full thing now on Apple Podcasts, podcast.com. Again, over 30 different podcast networks. Josh, I shared with you a recent article from someone that we interviewed at e three. Gone Home developer, Jönman Nordhagen, and his release of Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. He he was so in- excited about it last year when we talked about it with him at E3 at IndieCade. And I know he had a lot of high hopes for it, but he recently uh, made some interviews and made, made the rounds as far as saying at this point in time, he has spent quite a bit of money, over $100,000 he has put out of his own pocket into the game as far as paying off contractors and things of that nature and has not made a dime yet on it. And he questions the long-term effectiveness of indie games in general. So I ask you this, are indie games in trouble or is it just a case of that's something being singled out because maybe it's not something that people are liking? And there's actually a robust format for indie game developers at this point in time.
4: All right, we'll look at it this way. Steam is currently releasing three to 500 games per month. So that's about 10 games per day. According to Polygon, last year there are 7,672 games released. So As an indie developer, this is a great time because the indie movement was born off of AAA titles not delivering what people want. You know, you got to ask yourself, like, you really do have to stand out in some way or else you're just going to get buried beneath all the releases. And it's not so much that the game is bad, it's just that people won't notice it, you know? And it's kind of how, like, the bigger titles... All want to stay away from the release date of the new Red Dead game because anything that comes out within a three month span of that is just going to get buried by that game. So, if you have a good game, but you're coming out in the midst of like all these other games, you need to really do something to make yourself stand out. And that's the problem that a lot of these games suffer from. And like where the water tastes like wine, I know the biggest complaint was that it was a great game, like from Polygon and IGN and stuff, they liked the game, but it just took so long to play so i mean there's a lot of factors and i this is really the beginning of this movement i'm sure we'll see more as the months progress or whatever but there's so many indie games coming out it's becoming oversaturated with them
0: i will say this there's so many different ways to make a game successful but there's also a lot of ways that a game can go awry as far as the success is concerned and that clearly is the case here with the water tastes like wine I think right now it is a great time to be an indie developer because there's so many different platforms that are
4: willing to take in those games. A lot of people, as they get older, they don't have time to sit there and play these massive games, these 30, 40 hour gaming experiences. So you can grab an indie game and you can play it in six hours and still feel like you got something accomplished like that was a really great game. That was an interesting experience. You know, you're basically playing art, whereas a big AAA title is just a movie, playing a movie, playing art. So it's it's almost a completely different type of gaming. But I said it once, I said all the time that video games are such an interesting medium for storytelling just to see the different ways that people do it. So I think that it's a great time and I think that it'll continue to be great. Problem is marketing. Some of these devs are going to have to learn how to market their stuff better. So people at least know that or can get them on the radar. I think that's
0: where a lot of it falls. Maybe not in the production of the game, but exactly how they market it to consumers. What are your thoughts on the indie development scene for video games? Do you think it's very plentiful? Do you think it, there's not enough support out there for indie game development? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity Media and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up next, we've got our good friend mike crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing he's going to be previewing this weekend's wrestlemania check that out coming up right after the break this is the pcc multiverse
2: hello questers this is mandy the host of caster quest inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of patrick rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series the king killer chronicle hungry for more content Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, whatever you're in the mood for. If you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find Cast Request on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network, at ESOPodcast.com. And
0: we're back once again. It's the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford. Thank you so much for sticking around and enjoying the show. It's coming up again this weekend. It is that time of the year. It is WrestleMania, the extravaganza for professional wrestling. And who better to break down it with me than my good friend. He is one of the best duos out there when it comes to podcasting. He and, of course, his cohort in crime, Ring of Honor's The Kingpin, Brian Malonis, they break down the professional wrestling scene like no other on their great show, The Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, and you can get it today through BDARadio.com and also Apple Podcasts. It's my good friend, Mr. Mike Crockett. How's it going, man?
2: It's going very well. It's the uh, most wonderful time of the year when it comes to professional wrestling, Gerald. The past couple of years, it's been a very, very long show. I mean, this show is looking to be stacked as in terms of the lineup but just lengthwise it's gonna be in i mean it's hard to say it's gonna be anything but an ordeal to sit through i mean you get four hours of the show plus two hours of a pre-show which is going to include three matches i mean if you want to see all the matches you get to stick through the whole thing starting at 5 p.m eastern on sunday night it's yeah it's gonna be a long show from
0: what I'm able to ascertain and, and what I've read is that they actually have 10 hours blocked off in total for WrestleMania coverage. So
2: I'm sure they do a post show and all that stuff too. Yeah. So I'm exactly. Sure. Maybe a long day, Gerald. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it
0: will be a long day indeed, but there's a, a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of stuff going along with the, wrestlemania experience a lot of independent shows a lot of things to look forward to as well is there any one or two things in particular you're looking forward to outside of the wrestlemania card
2: well uh i guess i have to mention my uh, partner in crime as you mentioned my cohort the kingpin brian malonis is down there he's going to be down there for ring of honors super card of honor it has already been the biggest selling ring of honor show In Ring of Honor history, so it's already going to be the biggest show ever before the doors even open on Saturday night, so it's going to be a big show, and the main event will be Cody Rhodes against Kenny Omega, and we've talked about Kenny Omega being perhaps the best wrestler in the world right now, and this is one that everybody's looking forward to, it is the Bullet Club Exploding in the main event of the ring of honor supercard of honor this coming Saturday night, that is going to be a big show uh, just in terms of ticket sales and everything else for ring of honor. And I mean, it's not WrestleMania, but it is WWE, the NXT takeover show, which is going up against ring of honor. Supercard of honor is also going to be a great show and a little more palatable in terms of length. If you're a bit, uh, Intimidated by what's going on with WrestleMania, this is going to be probably like a two and a half hour show. Usually two and a half, three hours, and you got a uh, Sian Amas putting the um, title on the line, the NXT Heavyweight Championship against Alistair Black. And I have to mention Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. That match, like over a year in the making, uh, their former tag team partners, and they've had a great angle which was kind of cut short because Tommaso was out with injury for a bit. He is coming back and they're having an unsanctioned match at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. So that is the two big shows, the Saturday, the day before WrestleMania, that are really going to have the eyes of the wrestling world before we get to WrestleMania on Sunday.
0: So I want to break down a lot of things with you when it comes to WrestleMania. But Josh and I talked about this earlier in the episode in regards to John Cena He's got a new movie coming out, Blockers, which is conveniently coming out the same weekend that WrestleMania is happening at. But he's constantly called out The Undertaker in regards to a possible return and a matchup. Nothing as of this taping has been formulated as of yet, but they wouldn't be doing this unless there's actually something that's going to materialize as far as, as that's the case.
2: It's something that I want to see, John Cena versus The Undertaker. I mean, It's something I wanted to see in the past. Let me put it that way. Ever since The Undertaker essentially retired after his match with Roman Reigns in the main event of last year's WrestleMania, he took off his hat and his jacket, left it in the ring, and exited. That was as close to a retirement, in my mind, as you're going to get. And for him to come back now a lot of fans would be it's it's not something that's really palatable so this whole thing we're going to talk about this a lot i think the the build to wrestlemania which has been uh, somewhat lackluster in my eyes but this in particular has been a little perplexing the fact that john cena is calling out the undertaker week after week after week but no we still don't know if it's john cena and the undertaker at wrestlemania and at this point they haven't announced it. I don't know that it's going. anything's going to be announced before the actual show takes place. And there's a lot of speculation out there that it is not going to be a match. It's going to be some sort of confrontation. Still, in my eyes, The Undertaker, I don't need to see him wrestle again. If we want to transition into what Braun Strowman is actually doing on this show, he is part of a Raw tag team match. He is challenging Sheamus and Cesaro, the WWE Raw tag team champions. And apparently Braun Strowman will get a partner we still don't know who this partner is and if there will be a partner so braun strowman is kind of relegated to this mid-card kind of role in this show they've been building this guy up to be one of the top guys but braun strowman is definitely the future of the wwe if not in our eyes in the guys on top eyes the you know the powers that be in wwe
0: there's going to be a lot of great matches though and a lot of great matchups coming up at wrestlemania Once again, I'm breaking down WrestleMania 34 with Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing. You got to check out their show today on BDARadio.com and Apple Podcasts. Real quickly, your thoughts on the Women's WrestleMania Battle Royal and also the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal as well.
2: It hasn't been the launching pad that I guess they're trying to set out for here to have a uh, battle royal on the um, WrestleMania show each and every year. This is just a way basically to get guys on the show that have no other place on the show. And if you're talking about the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, there's been a whole controversy with that. I don't know if you've gotten into that on the show. The fabulous Moolah, her name was originally put on this battle royal. It is no longer there. It is now just the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. There is a little controversy with this because a lot of people wanted to see Sasha Banks versus Bailey friends when they came into the company together and they're at odds now. And a lot of people were expecting them to have a singles match at WrestleMania, but apparently there is not room for it on the show. And they have the two championship matches with the women, but there was no room for a match without a championship on the line. So that's going to be part of the battle Royal. So that should be a, a major focus of that women's battle royal essentially it's a way to get everyone on the show gerald
0: and your favorites for that because i think if i'm going to pick out one of each i mean, i'm going to go with sasha banks i know she's the heavy favorite in the women's battle royal and for me i think it's going to be anyone with momentum right now as far as within that group of field for the men i would say it would be matt hardy
2: yeah i would go i would agree with you in terms of matt hardy as the uh winner of that I mean, according to you know what we have announced so far which is not a enticing cast of characters so far for the battle Royal. Hopefully there'll be more, but yeah, from what I'm seeing here, Matt Hardy is the, is the best of the bunch and Sasha or Bailey, I would say for the women's battle Royal, because that is going to be the major story out of this battle Royal. The cruiserweight
0: championship tournament finals is coming up. Also on the pre-show Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali I'm going to go with Cedric Alexander. I think he's a good talent. I don't think he's the best talent right now in the cruiserweight division. And I think actually Ricochet, when he finally gets himself elevated to the WWE level, will actually take over the cruiserweight division. But that's just my thoughts.
2: You did mention uh, Ricochet last time we talked, and Ricochet actually making his debut on the NXT Takeover show we mentioned earlier. So you want to go out of your way to see Ricochet? He's going to do big things. And I agree with you. He is eventually going to be a, a big star on two of five live and the cruiserweight championship. It was vacated by Enzo Amore when he was released. So they've had a whole tournament going on these past couple months. Cedric Alexander is a guy that really shined bright in the cruiserweight classic a couple of years ago. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was the cruiserweight champion. But Mustafa Ali is also a guy that's done big things in the cruiserweight division lately. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him either. But I would give the slight edge to Cedric Alexander.
0: Now, we've also talked about the tag team championship for Raw when it comes to Braun Strowman versus Cesaro and Sheamus obviously they're going to try and keep braun Strowman strong as far as that's concerned and whoever he partners up with or if it's just him himself trying to go against those two guys because they've kept him strong throughout and they have like you said such great plans for him what are your thoughts on the smackdown tag team championship with the usos going against the new day and the bludgeon brothers
2: well, the Usos has something to prove because they have never been on the main card of a WrestleMania since they've been with WWE. So they are very excited and very ready to tear it up on the biggest stage in professional wrestling at WrestleMania. So the Usos, and we know they've had already torn it up in the past with the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and or Xavier Woods, whichever two out of the three are going to be part of this match. So I would suspect that they're going to do everything they can to have a great match. The bludgeon brothers, of course, you know, two big, strong guys and that dynamic of the, you know, the guys that can jump around and do all these flips and just two big guys that can just knock them out of the air. It should make for a very fun match. I'm a a bit higher on it than you. Apparently Gerald, I think this is going to be a great match. Like I said, the Usos are really excited to get their first shot on the main show at WrestleMania, and they're going to take every advantage to make this a, match
0: i hope so and i hope i'm proven wrong and i hope that energy from them being in the actual card itself on the main card during the the actual event itself and not on the pre-show will actually give them the impetus to actually have a great match against those two other teams so we'll definitely have to wait and see on that you mentioned earlier the raw women's championship it is nia Jax versus alexa bliss in what many are considering the other women's championship match i actually am looking forward to this and i think it's going to be a really solid match but your thoughts about nia Jax going up against alexa bliss for the raw women's championship
2: these two are great friends in real life and they started as good friends on tv But they did a kind of a a hidden camera thing like the old GTV back in the day during the Attitude Era where Alexa Bliss was caught backstage making fun of Nia Jax's looks, her weight, you know, essentially is what this match is all about. And I think they're going to do everything within their power to put on a good match. Nia Jax... To me, she was brought up way too soon from NXT. She still has a ways to go in terms of really finding herself and really, in my eyes, from what I'm seeing, being comfortable in her character. So this is the best opportunity for Nia Jax to show what she can do. And I mean, I'm interested to see what comes out of this matchup.
0: On the SmackDown end, the women's matchup, a lot of people are looking forward to as Asuka goes up against Charlotte Flair, those two will meet up on Sunday. What are your thoughts on that? Can Charlotte Flair actually slow down the Asuka momentum train?
2: I don't think it's going to happen here, Gerald. Asuka, for those who don't know, she's undefeated with WWE. Some 150-something matches since she has been on the NXT roster to the Raw roster. She's never been pinned. She's never lost a match. Anything she's been in, tag team match, uh, she has been on the winning side. So... WrestleMania is the place to do something like that where you end someone's streak. Of course, you know, The Undertaker's streak. We all know about The Undertaker's streak and how that came to an end suddenly a few years ago. But I don't think they're ready for Asuka to end the streak yet. I think she is going to defeat Charlotte Flair. This could steal the show, in my opinion. Asuka, I mean, just the aura of Asuka. I was at a live event in Boston this past Friday, Gerald. And just the aura of Asuka is just. Her music, the entire presentation, the mask, the way she moves, it's great. And this is not something you want to stop. You don't want to enter momentum here. I think she's going to win the championship here at WrestleMania. And down the line, I think Asuka might lose to perhaps some we're going to talk about a little later on.
0: Oh, very interesting indeed. But there's still a lot more to talk about. We've got the U.S. Heavyweight Championship Up for grabs in a fatal four-way, which includes champion Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, and Rusev. This match really doesn't do much for me. I think if anybody on that fatal four-way right now has any kind of momentum, it's Bobby Roode, Rusev might deserve at this point in time a a push because he's really not gotten anything sustained over the long term when it comes to wwe and actually fans kind of like his his shtick every now and then with rusev day and all that so maybe rusev might be something that to think about as far as a an individual that might come away with the united states championship
2: yeah rusev is a good pick like you said i similarly am not really uh Busting at the seams to see this four-way match for the. Well, I just
0: had to talk myself into Rusev. I started out with Bobby Roode, and I'm talking myself into Rusev, which tells you my emotions about this match as a whole.
2: Right, exactly. Rusev is a guy that was making the most of what he has, and he's become uh, an entertaining character rather than like a big killer. So it's a different Rusev, but it's still, to me, a good Rusev, and I wouldn't mind seeing him come away with the U.S. championship. Like you said, it's probably between Rude and Rusev and flip a coin, right, Gerald?
0: Exactly, because at this point in time, I'm not sure where any of us are really just getting behind any of those four individuals right now in the ring, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. But they got to keep short, and hopefully they'll just get that one done quickly and be able to allow time for the other great matches on the show. One of those could be the triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship as we've got Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins versus the champion, The Miz. And I want to ask you with this, I'm actually going to pick The Miz because he has been on a roll in the past week, obviously his birth of his child, and obviously as well, the fact that he did win the mixed match tag team challenge along with his teammate, Asuka. I think he's on a roll and I think I look for The Miz to come out on top
2: Well, this match right here, I talked about, I alluded to earlier, the fact that the build to WrestleMania has been a little lackluster in my eyes, but... There's no better way to build a good match at WrestleMania than to have a great match on Raw. And this past Monday on Raw, it was Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor and they had an absolutely tremendous match and that's something that just gets you excited for WrestleMania. They're going to add Miz into the mix who I mean he's come a long way as a professional wrestler and he's a former WWE champion. He was in the main event of WrestleMania. If don't if you don't remember that just ask him. So, The Miz added into the mix. Of course, he, like you said, a new dad. He's probably motivated to show he still has it. So, I mean, these three guys together, I think, is going to be the show stealer of the night. And in terms of a winner of this match, it depends on if Finn Balor is the demon or not. If Finn Balor comes out as the demon, I think uh, Finn Balor wins the Intercontinental Championship. If he comes out as regular old Finn with the leather jacket, I would say it stays on The Miz. The
0: next match I want to talk to you about before we get to the big three main events, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This has come out as a grudge match, but as I've talked to Billy Donnelly before with Intelligent Wrestling Conversation, I have my concerns in regards to the overall health for Daniel Bryan. But hey, if he's been cleared, he's been cleared. Seeing him and Shane McMahon, who is also coming off the injured list, Those two are going up in a type of grudge match scenario. Your thoughts on this grudge match? and Because I know, obviously, the hype for Daniel Bryan coming back was too good to pass up.
2: No, yeah. I mean, I heard you talk to Billy Donnelly a couple weeks ago, and I actually read your article on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, Gerald, where you talked about your concerns about Daniel Bryan. And there are a lot of concerns and a lot of people speculating that they needed something for wrestlemania they know that daniel bryan is looking to get back into wrestling if not with wwe somewhere else when his contract expires i believe in september so uh there's some speculation that the timing is curious for daniel bryan to be cleared to compete but i'm gonna put all that aside and just be happy to see daniel bryan back i mean this guy is like the new age mick foley just to someone that every wrestling fan can relate to. They see themselves in just a guy that loves professional wrestling and this match. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best showcase for Daniel Bryan, but like you said, Daniel Bryan has to be on this card. Like you said, Shane McMahon just getting out of the hospital with diverticulitis, so <laughs> and he's cleared. Apparently, he he's talked about a, he had a hernia as well. Apparently, I don't know. If, I'm not sure if that's storyline or not. But I yeah, thought there was he, supposed
0: to be surgery involved and all that.
2: Yeah, and then, and he's he's cleared apparently. So the doctor's just clearing everybody now in turn in time for WrestleMania. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are a great act. Kevin Owens, uh, of course, has been doing great things in WWE, and he's kind of picking up Sami Zayn, who hasn't had the best experience so far with wwe and he's kind of bringing him up to his level so it should be a interesting matchup should be great and i'm interested to see what happens with daniel bryan going forward beyond this but i'm not looking for a classic i'm looking for fans to be really into it because of you know the investment they have in a guy like daniel bryan and how good Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn are being heels, but I mean it should be an interesting match. It's yeah, like you said, it's a little bit shoehorned in here at the last minute, but it's a means to an end. It's getting Daniel Bryan out there, getting him uh, on the WrestleMania card. I know that I was a lot more excited for WrestleMania when I find out found out Daniel Bryan is going to be back and competing at the biggest show of the year. So I'm going to be excited to watch it.
0: I know it will be kept short. I know it will be kept somewhat safe and I know it will lead to the 50,000-plus individuals there at New Orleans saying yes, 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 so we can get that moment that everybody, including myself, is looking forward to when they see Daniel Bryan back in action. Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey are facing Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. The fact that Ronda Rousey is here, I think, gets a lot of people excited. The fact that she could be a key for them in the near and also long-term future as well for the WWE your thoughts on this match? Obviously, they got to keep it simple because she's not that seasoned or experienced, even though she's been training very hard. They've got to keep it at least simple as far as for her realm with both Stephanie and her at this point in time and leaned heavily on Kurt Angle, who's coming out of another retirement facing Triple H.
2: Ronda Rousey, like you said, new to professional wrestling. She's not been training that long, but if she comes from the MMA world. To put her in there in a mixed tag team match like this it will give you the best possible outcome, I think, at this point. And I talked about Oscar earlier. I think Ronda Rousey down the line, if she advances like they're hoping, she'll probably be the one to take Oscar's uh, streak away. But that notwithstanding, this matchup, I mean, it's going to be lots of smoke and mirrors. There's going to be a lot going on in there, and what they're trying to get out of this is to get Ronda Rousey to look good, and I think they can accomplish that pretty easily. Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle will win this match. Stephanie will tap out, and we'll see what goes on in the future here with Ronda Rousey. Of course, putting a lot of stock into her, a lot of high hope that Ronda Rousey will be the breakout star of the women's division going forward.
0: Well, we've got two championship matches left. We're going to start off with the WWE championship match in the match that I think a lot of people, as far as wrestling purists, may be looking forward to AJ Styles. He's going to be putting his title on the line against Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm going to lean with Nakamura, who's finally starting to come into his own as far as the WWE is concerned. I think they're going to have a great match, could be the best match on the card. And I think uh, when all is said and done, that Shinsuke Nakamura will become the WWE champion.
2: I tend to agree there, Gerald. Uh, We've talked about this before, that he spent way too much time in NXT, and he kind of lost some momentum. Got the Royal Rumble win in January, and that's kind of uh, set him back up in a uh, positive way. And him and AJ Styles, they've done it before in Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now they're going to do it at WrestleMania, the biggest stage in the world. And I think you're right. I think it's going to be Nakamura taking the championship from AJ Styles. And Nakamura is just so unique in terms of professional wrestling. And I think Nakamura is going to take the championship at WrestleMania from AJ. And it's going to be, God willing, a fantastic matchup.
0: Well, that leaves us with our last choice. One of the most polarizing matches on the card, to say the least. It is for the Universal Championship. And it's going to be Brock lesnar He's going to be going up against everybody's favorite wrestler. And I'm saying that facetiously. It is Roman Reigns. And, you know, this is, I guess, what, destined again for him to be going to the moon as far as being in that scenario with him coming out on top, being what many consider the McMahon's favorite wrestler. I see Roman Reigns coming out on top. Brock Lesnar's hinted about going back into Mark's Martial Arts and the UFC. He's hinted on that. Paul Heyman's hinted that, but by all appearances, man, it looks like Roman Reigns is going to get the push once again. And I'm not sure everybody again, like before is happy with it.
2: It's the last appearance on his contract for Brock Lesnar. He is the universal champion going in. So I think unless they announce that he is signed lock, stock and barrel before Mania, I think we're going to see Roman Reigns win the championship. And this thing, this match has uh, has endured. I mean, they talked about this the day after last year's WrestleMania, that this was the match was on the books. It's going to be Brock Lesnar, and Roman Reigns. And so I think Roman Reigns, regardless of what people think he is going to get the championship. He is going to be anointed once again, as the universal champion. Finally, he's already held it a couple of times, but finally to stay, he's going to be the uh, top dog, if you will. That's going to be your final scene. Uh, When we close out the uh, night at WrestleMania, the fireworks are going to be going off, and Roman Reigns is going to be holding that Universal Championship high above his head in New Orleans.
0: If you haven't died from old age first.
2: (laughs) Very well put, Gerald.
0: I am so thrilled to hear you say that, Mike, and I agree with you as well, and just so thrilled the fact that Roman Reigns could again become the WWE Universal Champion. Do you hear Step that out. in my voice, the excitement that I have?
2: Step out of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Once again, just want to thank you for breaking down the WrestleMania 34 card. It is Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing. You got to check it out today on bdaradio.com and Apple podcasts. Mike, it's been such a great pleasure having you break down WrestleMania 34 with me. I wish you and Brian all the best upcoming with your great show that people have to catch each and every week discussing the world of professional wrestling.
2: Thanks very much, Gerald. Yeah, we're actually going to be talking about WrestleMania on Monday morning, next Monday morning on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Like you said, you can get it on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com. Also go to our brand new website, TheWPAN.com. That's T H E wpan.com for wrestling podcast about nothing so this coming monday we're going to break down wrestlemania for everybody so make sure to check that out wherever you get your podcasts or the wpan.com gerald thank you so much it's been a pleasure to be here as part of the pop culture cosmos hope to talk to you again real soon
0: i hope so as well and again mike it's always great having you a part of the pop culture
3: cosmos
0: from rob mccallum films you got to check out his latest documentary kitty origins and evolutions and you can find out more information on that and all of his projects at rob mccallumfilms.com plus also as well you crockett who we cannot thank enough for being on today previewing wrestlemania you got to check out his great program along with his good friend the kingpin brian malonis from ring of honor wrestling together they make up the wrestling podcast about nothing and you can check out their show on apple podcasts as well josh i want to ask you real quick before we head on out as we break down the marvel cinematic universe leading up to infinity war later this month in about three weeks my friend three weeks what are your thoughts on captain america civil war and was it everything that you thought it should be
4: it was sort of just a set piece for the rest of the marvel cinematic universe You know, I mentioned this last week, I was hoping for more of a solo Captain America outing similar to Winter Soldier. And instead, we just got another Avengers film.
0: The last thing I want to say in regards to Captain America Civil War, and I've said this before. And actually, you can read my thoughts on the breakdown I make for the Marvel Cinematic Universe on our Pop Culture Cosmos sites. I'll just say this, man. The first two parts were pretty good. It's that third part that's a big letdown with Baron Zemo's character and probably one of the worst turns by a Marvel villain. But Marvel still hasn't perfected its villains per se with a lot of them over the course of the cinematic universe. We've talked about that the villains have been a really a hard thing for them to do and translate from the comic books to the film. And Captain America's Civil War, to us, is no different. What are your thoughts on Captain America's Civil War? Do you think it was everything that it should have been? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanity Media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.
4: Let your voice be heard. TangentFoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop
2: Culture Cosmos.
0: We've got a review of Ready Player One as we decide if it reaches a high score or it's game over for Spielberg's latest film. Plus, it's our picks for the Video Game Hall of Fame and will Age of Ultron be the forgotten Avengers movie? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. back again it is friday it is another great weekend coming up right here in the pcc multiverse this is gerald glassford once again from pop culture cosmos and game stores how is everybody out there we hope you're doing great and are going to have yourselves a fantastic easter weekend but it wouldn't be a pcc multiverse without my good friend he is the head honcho at humanica media You got to check out all the great things they've got going on at HumanicaMedia.com. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend?
4: Hey, 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 just uh, doing podcast stuff and stuff.
0: And more stuff like that. Yes, that's a lot of stuff. Yes. Uh, I know you're also getting all that stuff going as far as the top lists, as far as that people have sent in. I truly want to thank everybody out there for sending in all their top 10 video game lists. We are compiling it. I'm going to be tallying up the scores and we're going to be going at and presenting that in the near future. Plus also as well, you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff coming through our Pop Culture Cosmos sites. So, so be on the lookout for that as well through our Facebook and Twitter handles as far as Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media and Game Source as well. It's going to be a great show. We've got Jay Bartlett standing by. He's going to share his thoughts on the upcoming Solo movie. Also as well, we got Vince Atullo from That Sports Card Show. He is going to be talking to us about collectibles as far as the sporting card market and also a little bit about non-sports cards. We talked in our last episode about the popularity of certain cards and things of that nature, but wanted to get into a little bit more as far as non-sports cards, and if there's still a market on it. All that and more coming up with Vince Otulo from That Sports Card Show later in the broadcast. But Josh, you and I got a chance to see the latest film that's out that's storming the box office. is from Steven Spielberg, the acclaimed director that he is. His latest movie that's out is an adaptation from the popular book that we've talked about on this show before that really just dives into pop culture headfirst, and that is Ready Player One, based on a world of virtual reality and the Oasis, and and both you and I have, have read the book, and we've now seen the movie. There's spoilers for our discussion of Ready Player One from both the book and film standpoint. So here we go with our thoughts on Ready Player One.
4: It was good. I wish they would have divided it into maybe like two movies because there was a lot in the book that got left out. And I see they, you know, I see some why they need to take some parts out. But the parts that they took out, it would have, I think it would have made the movie make more sense for the viewers. But, you know, it disappoints me a little bit too in the fact that the, this, the, a lot of the references made in the book that would appeal to someone like me and you, they, they took it out in exchange for uh, more well-known properties, but that, you know, that, that's the thing. Like people aren't going to see the movie. I don't think because it has a reference to uh, spoiler alert because it has a reference to the shining or has a reference to Minecraft or whatever in the movie. They're going to see it because, you know, it, it probably, cause it's cool. And they probably walk away with the same, however they feel about it in the end. But, um, No, it was good. I liked all the references, the to you know, mobile suit Gundam, Akira. They had Halo in there. There was Back to the Future,
0: Street Fighter, Starsky and Hutch. I mean, it's everything from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and two thousands, and even today with Overwatch and more was represented in there as far as pop culture icons are concerned.
4: Right, and they had Harley Quinn and Batman was even in a part. Batgirl was in there too. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff that I miss. I just got to go back and I'll have to watch it again. It was good it it entertained it did what it was supposed to. They did a good job of kind of retelling the story uh retelling the book. I didn't really understand because the guy that wrote the book was one of the guys that wrote the screenplay, and he you see it doesn't make sense to me that he would take out some like big, big parts out of the book for the sake of um you know moving the plot along in a film but you know it the the changes didn't irk me, but I would have liked to see these things come to life, you know the whole thing with him hacking into ioi and the in the in the movie they made it seem like he liked his aunt a lot more than he actually did and then um you know that that whole thing didn't really get explored and there's some like i would have liked to see the layer he had floating in space and the you know some of the deaths in the the oasis in the book they didn't really go into that and like you know the the big death in the book of one of the high five they didn't do that so
0: exactly based out of japan when they when it actually happened in the book but also as well the fact that the undermining through iOi was done by a completely different individual in the movie than it was in the book
4: exactly not complaining I did like I did enjoy the film uh, there's just a lot more I would have liked to see out of it and as someone who who read the book and is really impressed by the book it's just it's it's a lot of stuff that would have better connected the pieces and a lot of like what could have made really cool set pieces they just kind of left it out I, I liked how they weaved Better together, I guess, the story of um Wade and Artemis in the Oasis, she is called. Artemis
0: and Parzival.
4: Yeah, yeah. I like how they kind of made that a little more fluent because it got a little awkward in the book. You know, there's just stuff from the book I would have liked to see a lot. I did like the movie. It felt very classic Spielberg. You know, it had that 80s feel. This was a good movie for him to make. It had that, had that classic feel of like E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I did really dig that a lot. What did you think before? I I don't want to like blabber here.
0: Well, I will say this, that if you have not read the book and want to go see the movie, you'll probably enjoy it a lot more than if you did read the book and then went to go see the movie. As we have noted, we've read the book first and then have gone to see the movie. I am going to give the movie a positive review. I think it is a very good movie as far in the sense of the special effects as far as the design and and all the intermixing of all these pop culture icons. There's a race sequence, and then there's also a battle sequence that just truly is just inspirational as far as if you're into film creation as far as that's concerned. It's just absolutely gorgeous as far as the way it's orchestrated and actually is portrayed on screen. Also as well, the actual just first moments of you actually entering into the Oasis, even on a standard film format, that part is just truly amazing to see. I, I can't imagine how it's going to be on an IMAX or 3D. It's just That's just going to be like a blow away part. But I was just watching on a standard def screen and that still looked awesome as you first enter in it and all the things of that nature. So it's just truly was just a, a, that part of it was really inspirational, really just a lot of fun to look at. I am not a big fan of the, some of the parts that they took out as far as that as well. They they changed a lot for creative narratives because they thought it would look better on screen. But uh, like I said, I'm going to give it a pretty good review based on the fact that when this movie shines, as far as those inspirational battle sequences, those inspirational chase sequences and things of that nature, when when it's in the Oasis, the movie itself really flows and really looks beautiful when it seems to really stall is when it leaves the actual oasis itself. Some of the, the acting by the villains are really just substandard. And even uh, T.J. Miller, who uh, I guess his character is based off of someone in the book, it's not an add-in like one of the other villains. That's kind of disappointing as well because he always has to throw in a side remark that's really not that funny and doesn't really get over that well. That part was a little bit disappointing, but be that as it may, he wasn't really that important to the cause and was just kind of just obliterated and just left out of it and just disappeared really quickly So uh, you know, near the end. So it really didn't matter that much. Uh, Simon Pegg's character was really inconsequential, which was another in- issue I had of it because his character in the book is a lot more important to the actual flow of the story. And I think his inclusion in the, uh, in the movie was very minimal at best. And I I think that should have been actually redone and reworked, but there are some things like that I would, I would change around and I, I Like I said, if you're just going to the movie and you you have not read the book, you'll probably like it a lot more just because you want to see all those pop culture references. And that part of it is just absolutely just mind boggling. Cool. As far as seeing all those, uh, those icons and that people have loved. And it's for so many years. And I was going to tell my daughter that I saw this with is that it's just so, so awesome to see all those things that I've experienced throughout my life through the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and this decade that I've experienced all of those things. And just it's been truly heartwarming as far as from a sight and even a sound as far as the music is concerned as well.
4: Yeah, the soundtrack was great. I love the classic 80s music. That was
0: Anytime you with. add a new order, man, it's right there for you. <laughs>
4: I would have liked to see a little more uh, classic game playing. You know, we got the, we got the Atari. Ah, see, that. that's what gets me. I would have loved to see the Dungeons & Dragons thing take place where they go into the, uh, the dungeon, they got to play the, the arcade cabinet I would have loved. Is that. that
0: the that's the third key? Correct. As that, far as that
4: was the first key. though.
0: The, the first key. Yes, the first key went and went into the cave and and with Artemis's character, and that's where they first really met between Artemis and vault. That's correct. The right. third one did also have a, a challenge of that nature. Spoilers for the book, people, on this part. But yes, there's a challenge similar to that in the third key as well in the book. But yes, uh, that like I said, they're they're changed and modified for specific. I guess visual movie reasons. But I I really didn't mind that first key as far as the race is concerned, because really, that was a really cool way to set things off.
4: Yeah, the way to solve the puzzle was kind of like, yeah, it was just it seemed too simple to me, even if he like figured out there should have been some kind of challenge, you know, something trying to stop him from doing it. But
0: Well, yeah, I agree with you, not because in the book these things take a lot of time to figure out. In fact, some of them were, you know, even between the first, the second key, and the third key, there was still quite a bit of period of time between those moments as far as them, you know, figuring out where the next key is. And in the in the movie, obviously, to shorten it up, for, for time considerations, they had to do something a little bit different.
4: Yeah. Uh, my only other complaint about the movie was, James, in the book, they didn't really differentiate well between like the fact that he was a nerd and reclusive. Yes. But in the book, he was kind of really this tragic character. And in the uh, in the movie, they just painted him as like a stuttering, sad nerd, you know, instead of really there was more depth to him in the book than there was in the movie. They kind of missed a good storytelling element right there.
0: I agree, and there's something very sad when you read the book as far as his story, and you try to follow it as well and I think also Ben Mendelssohn's character in the book as far as is much more in depth the i o i leader and is much more sinister and much more diabolical than he comes off as in the modern day movie version as well. Be that as may, and I'm not exactly thrilled with the the shining as far as that part of it is concerned i Spielberg is a horror movie director at heart. He loves putting horror movie stuff in there and there he could not resist not only one, but two references as far as from a horror standpoint, he had to go ahead and utilize it in, in his movie. And I'm not, and I'm not sure utilizing the shining in that method was probably the best thing. I, think I would have chosen a different movie from the eighties. Personally, I would have sought out something else, but that's just me. Or did you like the shining reference?
4: It confused me. I, you know, it was, it was what it was. Um, It didn't weave together well because he goes in and they, they like, they didn't really make any references to the fact that he had developed a zombie type game where zombies are dancing around. They just kind of like, oh, we're going to throw some dialogue in here and assume that people are okay with that. So it, it didn't really weave together really well. Uh, there are a lot more pop. I'm sure there's a lot more popular like eighties films. They could have used the shining was intense and that's, you know maybe that's that's cheap for some people but i know a lot of people haven't actually seen the shining like it's considered a classic movie but it's only considered classic by horror movie fans and people who are you know in that era like the people you know most of the people i went to see the movie with they had never seen the shining before they knew what it they know what it is but they've never watched it
0: i would have actually chosen maybe like terminator or something like that as far as referencing that instead just the referencing of a horror movie in this in this aspect was was a point that I don't think was, was very best served as far as it's concerned. But I, I will tell you, if you are a fan of pop culture, you're going to get nothing but that pretty much uh, the whole movie long. It's a love letter to pop culture in the highest. And uh, I'll tell you what, for us, it was truly the book and also as well the movie proved to be very entertaining in both their own ways. So I do suggest and and obviously Josh does as well to go check out ready player one. If you have not read the book yet, go see the movie first and then you can go back and read the book and just enjoy it for the pop culture love fest that it is. If you just want a movie, that's a lot of fun to watch as far as it's Spielberg, just seemingly having a good time with a lot of pop culture icons that he got permission to use from arcades, from music, from video, from television, from film, just all over the place, check out Ready Player One. I'm sure you'll have a great time indeed. What are your thoughts on Ready Player One? Have you seen it? Are you planning to see it? Are you really looking forward to this pop culture love fest? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great episode coming up. We've got Jay Bartlett from Nintendo Quest and Star Wars Echo 3 standing by. As a true, huge Star Wars fan that he is, what are his thoughts on the upcoming solo film? He's going to share his thoughts. Plus also as well, later in the broadcast, we're going to be talking to Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Show. He's going to be talking about, again, cards and and even non-sports cards. Is there still a market for it? And should you go into collecting it? He's going to be talking about that and more coming up later in the episode as well. And this is the PCC Multiverse. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Com. and we're back with the program this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today he is the man of myth the legend behind star wars echo 3 you got to check out star wars echo 3 today on facebook because they do so many great things he's also the star of nintendo quest one of the best video game documentaries of the past 10 years it's my good friend jay bartlett what's going hey. on man It's a little movie that you and I both know that's coming out that's part of a great saga that you are so familiar with and that you love so dearly, the Star Wars saga. That's Solo, a Star Wars story. That's coming out for us here in the States on Memorial Day weekend. A lot of big numbers are still up in the air as far as how well it's going to do because there's kind of mixed reactions on the trailer. Obviously, you know the problems on the set with the changeover in directors and a lot of reshoots that were involved. So I ask you, Jay, I'm excited for Solo. I really want to see it because Solo is my favorite character in the Star Wars universe. What are your thoughts on the Solo film? And what do you think they need to do to get it across to an entire, entire world of Star Wars fans that this movie really can be a big hit?
1: I remember the first morning when the Rogue One trailer dropped and I woke up and, you know, I had a million messages and it was live. And I was like, wow, that's that's really cool. And put my phone down or whatever, and did whatever. I didn't feel the need to watch it right away. I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't grab me. So this is the second movie where it's not part of the the episodes, right? It's not part of the saga that way. But I absolutely, uh, I, I loved the the teaser during the Super Bowl, and then the next day we got the full trailer. I think it looks incredible. And what excites me the most is that so far, you know, there's no talk about the Force, about the Jedi, about the Sith. Like even Rogue One had that in there, right? But this is really smugglers, the underground, gambling. It's a side of Star Wars that I really want to see.
0: To me, it reminds me a lot of Ant-Man because Ant-Man and Solo seem both like heist movies more than they did actual movies within that genre. So you could say where Ant-Man was a heist movie instead of possibly being a superhero movie – You could say the same thing for Solo. It it seems in many ways like a heist movie as opposed to a sci-fi thriller.
1: Once again, I'm sure the whole synopsis is online. I have no interest in in reading that. But it kind of looks like they're gearing up towards the castle Run or whatever. And that's the big focal point or one of the focal points in the movie. I'm really interested to see. At first, you know, I I said over the years, I don't know if that's a story that we need to be told. Uh, Han Solo, I think you got a pretty good idea that he's a pretty scummy guy. He's done some, you know, pretty shady things. And then he met Leia and kind of straightened out, right? And then he fell again and went back to his old ways. But I'm really interested to see, uh, forgive me the actor's name. I can never remember who plays
0: Han. Uh, Aiden Ehrenreich, I think, is the best way to say it, if I'm not, not too far off. I thought it was
1: Alden something. Am I thinking of something else?
0: No, I think it is. Yeah, I think you may be right. Alden or Aiden Right. Uh, I can't remember his
1: name, but I think he's great. I know, I know the, the biggest critique I've read and seen so far is that people are like, oh, well, he doesn't look like Harrison Ford. He doesn't sound like Harrison Ford. Well, of course he doesn't. Nobody's going to look and sound like Harrison Ford, right? I mean, I think you get the idea. You, you see him and it, that's Han Solo.
0: I think the weirdest part about this, get this, Jay, is that Ron Howard is directing, right? Yeah. Ron Howard is directing an individual to play at the age of someone who he starred in a movie with back in the 70s.
1: That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah, That's really, really cool. What about you? I know. Okay. So I'm not, I'm going to hijack the interview here. You said that Han is, is your favorite character of all time, even above Luke. I'll, I'll forgive you for that one. That's okay. Um, (laughs) What were your initial thoughts with the full trailer now? Not the not the teaser when you saw the full trailer
0: to me, I think it is the most enjoyable star Wars trailer I have seen in some time. To me, it's like you said, I think probably the charm for me is that it is not seeing the same thing as far as the Force or Jedis or lightsabers or this or that that we've seen all the time in the past few years. And even before that with the prequels, this is something that's different. I know Rogue One actually was to me was kind of cool in theory as far as the trailer is concerned because it was kind of different and off the beaten path in, in itself. But then, as you and I both know, spoilers here for somebody who hasn't seen it, it actually intertwines itself within the Star Wars saga, making it less its own movie and just more part of the actual consortium, the whole timeline and the whole canon itself. Solo, yeah, it's still part of the canon, but to me, it just seems like it's branching off into an entirely different format from Mm -hmm. long ago as we see these great stars like Lando Calrissian, Han Solo, Chewie, how they originated, how they came together, how they got to know each other, and how Woody Harrelson's character shapes Han Solo, if not the whole team, into becoming those those bunch of rogues that we've come to know and love.
1: Yeah, exactly. And from everything I've seen from the trailer, it doesn't look like the fate of the galaxy rests in Han Solo's hands, which, you know, even well, Rogue One did have that. It's really cool to see, like you said, another side of Star Wars. Now, you know, do we need to see the Darth Vader cameo? I certainly hope not. And looking back now, the, the Vader scenes, they were cool, but I really, I don't think we needed to see that. You know, I think we could have just settled with Tarkin and Krennic and those two at each other, and that would have been enough. But after our, our talk about the Last Jedi and and the others throughout the years, I will say that Star Wars fans are some of the toughest fans in the world, if not the toughest fans in the world to please. They love to hate Star Wars so much. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> they do. They, they love it and they hate it. But I'll tell you what, they do come back and see it time and time again. But I am definitely excited, as are you, for Solo. I think it's actually going to surprise a lot of people when it comes out. Will it do the numbers that Star Wars is used to getting? I'm not going to say that because obviously with all the problems and all the things that went on and even coming out Memorial Day weekend, I'm hoping that it will do extremely well. I'm here in Vegas, so I'm not laying out those odds that it's going to go ahead and exceed even what Rogue One did because I know Rogue One was the first of its kind being one of those anthology type deals. I'm here... And I'm going to say right now that I think Solo is going to be a success, but to the level of the other Star Wars movies, no. But nor does it need to be. I think it just needs to tell a good story and be a solid movie and be something that people want to watch for years to come.
1: This is the first time where I can really feel – how do I put this? I can really feel Disney's involvement and everything and how it's affecting it as a Star Wars collector – there's one or two, maybe three waves, not even three waves of, you know, figures before it's time for the next movie. You know, the last Jedi came out, we got a couple waves of figures. Now it's the Han Solo stuff comes out in April. It's like, well, there's so many more characters to come out from Last Jedi. We're not gonna see that. You know, it's it's almost at this point impossible to keep up with it. There's so much stuff out there, far more than there ever has been. So if I just yeah. slow down on that too. <laughs>
0: Well, I got my solo shirt last week, so I am ready to rock and roll for late May when it comes yeah. out. So I'm I'm truly excited to see it. Nice. Once again, it is Jay Bartlett from Star Wars Echo 3 and also as well, Nintendo Quest, one of the best video game documentaries of the last 10 years. It's available now. You just check out rob dot com which is our good friend Rob McCallum, and you can see Rob McCallum terrorize Jay Bartlett for two hours in that film, and actually it's very funny it's very you know awesome to see, but <laughs> there is <laughs> there is some good moments in that film indeed, and it does tell a great narrative, and it does also as well you know really really has some great things going on it, but you know he did kind of terrorize you up throughout the
1: entire film. we were talking about that today because we were talking about the next film and his involvement with that beyond being the filmmaker and he kind of said well nintendo quest i had to be there because we had to get inside your head so we knew what you were thinking outside of every store or every collector you met like what's jay thinking i gotta pull this out because it's you know when you go into 10 or 12 stores every day and you come out and have to do an interview to a camera it's like groundhog day right you're really starting to say the same things and i'm questioning like this isn't entertaining. I'm saying the same things over and over again. So Rob kind of came there to pull out everything. I think he just wanted an excuse to be in his own movie. But
0: I think so too.
1: I think so too. He got on the poster, didn't he, that weasel? Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, he did. He did. And I have it signed. And I'm truly appreciative for being as far as part of the power tour. And I will always be grateful to both you and Rob for everything that you've done for Game Source and now Pop Culture Cosmos. Sure, but one last thing, my friend. You've got a great thing going on with Star Wars Echo 3. So enlighten everyone out there what Star Wars Echo 3 is all about.
1: Echo 3 was a group that was born out of my pure passion for Star Wars and coming to a point in my life where acquiring possessions and owning things started to kind of lose its luster. When we started to do a few events and you were starting to see people that were less fortunate, it really turned into, I don't want to call it a charity group, but its we're there for people who need it. We've just become partners with the Children's Health Foundation in London, Ontario here. They're, they're one of the people that are in charge of buying hospital equipment and, and taking care of kids. And they are they're on board with what we do now. So we can actually schedule hospital visits, which is very difficult to do, but they let us come in there anytime we want. And just to go in there and take those kids out of their pain and misery for even 5 minutes it's a, it's a feeling i can't describe to anybody but it's just it's it's an incredible and it brings me back to my childhood when i first saw Darth Vader for the first time back in an old department store you know it was Darth Vader signing autographs right it wasn't david prowse it was just a guy in a suit but how that made me feel and it stuck with me my whole entire life i hope that we can have that same impact on kids
0: and not only do you do the hospitals and whatnot, but you also go to local area events. You also yeah. go to uh, local facilities, and Ed, you guys are are out and about as far as local comic cons as well.
1: We, we are a group. We are not gatekeepers or elitists. If you want to help people in need, and if you have a passion for Star Wars, that's pretty much all I need to join my group. I mean, your costume doesn't have to be screen accurate you know what I mean like we don't want a rubber mask or anything like that but as long as you have that passion that's first and foremost what matters and through my years of doing this I've seen a lot of groups be pretty snotty about this kind of thing and Star Wars doesn't belong to me and it doesn't belong to anyone it's it's there for everyone to enjoy so again we try to try to do a positive image and just make people smile simple as that
0: that's awesome indeed. And people can find out more information on it today at Star Wars Echo 3 on Facebook and also as well catch his great appearance as the star, even though he doesn't like me to tell oh, him I'm that a, he was. I'm the
1: star. I'm the star.
0: He's the star? Okay. <laughs> Two years have evolved. He's now the star. He's now star. He's <laughs> like that before. But he is the star of the great video game documentary, Nintendo Quest. You got to check it out today, wherever it's playing, and you can get all the info on where it's playing at RobMcCallumFilms.com.
1: And I will say, before before you let me go here, stay tuned because Rob and I do have a special announcement in the next couple of weeks, actually. It's coming real soon. So,
0: Yes, yes. I know Rob has dropped hints on it as far as in our Cosmic Crossfire. So I know he'll, him and you as well will be making major announcements on that new project very soon. Jay, I'll tell you what, it's always a great pleasure to talk to you, my friend.
1: Thank you for having me, Gerald. And uh, anytime, brother, just give me a call. I'll
0: be here. You got it, my friend. And again, as always, it's great having you on the Pop Culture Cosmos.
2: Very Duck, Very Quick is a delicious talk and variety show, squished around interviews with a side order of skits, a double heaving of characters, and hot steaming weirdness. Each episode, Mike and Aaron order up a new topic and serve it up to you as the blue plate special du jour. You can catch Very Duck, Very Quick on iTunes,
1: Stitcher, Google Play, and blogtalkradio.com. Very Duck, Very Quick is a member of the Astro Panda Network, vegan-friendly, MSG and GMO-free.
0: And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford again. Thank you so much for sticking around and enjoying the show. Just let you know, both the PCC Multiverse and the Pop Culture Cosmos can be heard seven days a week on online radio. You just got to check out our Pop Culture Cosmos page on Facebook, and you get to check out exactly the listings of when and where are Great shows are going to be played on online radio stations such as the Podcast Radio Network, Airwave Radio, Good Talk Radio, the Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting Network, Gray Cloud Radio, IPM Nation, and Croc Radio. And I'll tell you what, we just cannot thank enough every single one of them for playing our show Plus, also, you get even more detail on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, about where you can download our episodes like Apple Podcasts, ESO Network, Tangible Network, Gunna Geek Network, Podchaser, Podbean, and many, many more. In fact, well over 30 different options that I'm aware of, many of those links are included on that Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, right there for you. Josh has got a great thing going on at Humanica Media, which you can find out today at HumanicaMedia.com or their Facebook page, Humanica Media, YouTube page, Humanica Media, and also Podbean and Apple Podcasts as well. Josh, what is coming up with your great thing known as Humanica Media?
4: Right. You can check out a brand new episode of Topic Ocalypse that I actually just dropped this morning, and there's a new episode of the Super BS Gamescast going up tonight. Monday, I think there's a new What About This coming out. Listen to our show on the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday night at 7.30 Eastern Time. What is it?
0: Close, again.
4: 6.30 Eastern Time. 7. Eastern Time, okay. So, I mean, don't listen to my first suggestion because you'll miss a half hour of it.
0: Yes, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network on Tuesday nights. Close, but close only counts in horseshoes, my friend. Josh, I want to tell you it's a great time indeed for video game fans because the Hall of Fame for Video Games has recently announced its nominees to become the next set of games that's inducted into the Video Game Hall of Fame. And I want to read you the list right now Asteroids, Call of Duty, Dance Dance Revolution, Final Fantasy VII, Half Life, John Madden, King's Quest, Metroid. Minecraft, Ms. Pac-Man, Space War, Tomb Raider. That's 12 games right there, my friend. Let's, let's say you are on the committee. You're a part of that committee that's judging these games as far as that's concerned. And they're judging these games and their importance to the video game industry and its fans and also pop culture as well. If you could pick six out of the 12. So, I mean, six on the cut line... Six are going in. Which six would you choose to be the next entrance in the Hall of Fame?
4: Well, you know, at the top of my list is going to be Final Fantasy VII, of course. Of course. (laughs) Uh, Asteroids, Final Fantasy, King's Quest, Metroid, Miss Pac-Man, and... I don't know. I don't want to say Call of Duty. I don't want to say Madden because I'm not a fan of those or Minecraft. You know, I'll probably go. I've seen Space War being played and I guess like it is the pioneer, sort of a pioneer of video games. So I'd say it, it deserves to go. But yeah, I'm mostly like Final Fantasy Tomb Raider. Like those are the games that inspired me as a kid
0: all right fair enough i know like you said you've not spoken enough about final fantasy 7 over the years and obviously once the dawn breaks and the final fantasy 7 remake is finally done we'll be like finally
4: i'll be be 40 when that happens probably yes
0: i'll be i'll be 90 when that happens so (laughs) yes it's supposedly still on the way so we'll have to check with sony on that come e3 but Yes, the, that's been so influential in your life. You've said that on numerous occasions, so that was not a surprise for me. For myself, I'm going to go with Space War, obviously for me is the number one because there wouldn't be video games if it weren't for that game. That, To me, pretty much, like it's been said, it's pretty much started the whole thing in regards to to gaming as an industry and as a format and as a genre and as, as part of our pop culture we wouldn't be anywhere without space war and i'm surprised that isn't in already i'm going to go with minecraft as far as another top individual game that should be inducted this time around i think it's influence on modern gaming cannot be understated, especially with its popularity and everything of that nature as far as the fact that it reaches to a demographic of that's probably wider than any game out there. Then you've got also, let's go with John Madden Football because even though I'm not a huge fan of John Madden Football, it has led into so many great iterations and redefined the sports gaming genre. Number four, I'd probably say it would be Call of Duty, I'm sorry, Josh, but Call of Duty, because of the fact that its later iterations have dominated the industry like very few others, that I think it it goes without saying that Call of Duty should be on that list. So I've got up to four. I'm going to go with Asteroids because as a kid, I remember playing that so much, even though it wasn't my favorite game. It rewrote all the rules as far as what you should do with arcade games. That and Pac-Man just really redefined the early 80s as far as arcades are concerned. And number six for me, I'm going to have to go with what you're going to go with, Final Fantasy VII. For me, Final Fantasy VII is something that I think a lot of people need to better understand as far as its importance and the impact in the West, not only as far as on the you know in Europe and Japan, but in the West as far as its influence as a Japanese role playing game and realize and understand that this game really transcended over the years in its importance and its love as far as that game is concerned with fans and it just really redefined the JRPG genre as far as it's concerned as a whole when that game came out and and the many years it's been out since so those are my 6 right there you've got again Asteroids Call of Duty Final Fantasy 7 John Madden Football Minecraft, and Space War. So uh, to me, uh, that that seems like a very solid set, but you can't go wrong with any of these games, whether it's Metroid, whether it's Tomb Raider, Miss Pac-Man, Half-Life, Dance Dance Revolution. You know, you just really can't go wrong with any of these games as far as being inducted into the World Video Game Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on the final nominees for the World Video Game Hall of Fame for 2018? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Send us a list of three, four, five, or six that you like that you think are the best choices from that bunch. And if you're on that committee, which ones would you choose to be inducted into the World Video Game Hall of Fame? Share us your thoughts again, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, we're going to be speaking to Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Show. He's going to be talking a lot about collectibles and non-sports cards and what he thinks you should do about if you have an interest in collecting those type of cards. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on that and also letting everybody know how you can catch his great show as well. This is the PCC Multiverse.
3: Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from robmccallumfilms.com. robmccallumfilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back
0: again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly want to thank you for listening and hanging out with us here on the show. One of the things I want to do as far as pop culture is concerned, we always talk about movies and television and board games and video games and and all that great stuff during the course of the year. But one of the things we like to focus on every now and then is the collectibles market. Here to help me with that and help everybody out there as well, he is the host of That Sports Card Show podcast, it is available now on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. You got to listen to it in regards to, you know, hearing everything about the sports card market. It is Vince Atulo. So great to have you a part of the show and and I'm so glad to have you here. How's it going today?
5: It's going great and I really appreciate you having me on here. This is kind of fun.
0: Now, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick as well is You know, we talked about sports cards and whatnot being a great way to get back in and also share knowledge of of players, not only from the past, but the present as well. But one thing I've seen at card shows recently, but also in the past as well, when I was a part of them in a more uh, vested fashion, was non-sports cards always trying to loom in a little bit, not obviously trying to overtake, but loom in in on that space as well. And with pop culture now being something that's very prominent and out front with it with our society and our and our culture today, is non-sports cards still a thing that you think people might have some interest in? I know Star Wars cards I think are probably the one that they're talked about the most, but I know there's other non-sports cards that may be of interest to people and I'm not talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh or the playing cards as far as those games that's a different thing entirely and those uh, depending on that market that's that's a you know could be a very pricey thing but non-sports cards that just celebrate things that we love about pop culture is that still something that may be uh, offshoot or is that something that maybe people can try and get themselves into before they go into a you know a sports card trading hobby per se.
5: I love non-sports cards personally. I have a personal like side collection that I'm into right now. I collect the 197 there was 1978 Kiss, you know the rock band Kiss. Mhm. They had their own trading cards like series 1 and series 2. They were come out in 1978. They were Donruss. There's 66 cards in each set. I'm collecting very like mint or near mint versions of those cards graded uh, I'm I'm trying to get the whole set it's going to take me a long time but that's just just like a pet project of mine actually non
0: I know I've had Star Wars and I've also had those rock cards which also came out during that era the junk era that you were stating yes. as well
5: cuz the non sports cards that is what I initially that's what initially got me into collecting when I was a kid that's what I liked I didn't like the sports cards I was into the Star Wars. I was heavily into the Star Wars. Grease, do you remember the movie Grease? Yep. (laughs) I mean, it sounds funny now, but I loved those cards. And then it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Mork and Mindy, Kiss cards. I mean, I was just, I was really into that. And then I got a little older and I got into sports and I quit collecting the non-sports stuff so much and I really got into the sports side of things. But now, current day with the non-sports, it's as big as ever, if not bigger than ever. The Star Wars, there's, it seems like there's a new Star Wars release about every month, if not every week. The Topps has that license, and they release some great Star Wars products. I mean, there's there's some fantastic Star Wars products on the market today that are a great value. I mean, you, you can get some really high-value stuff out of those. And also, Upper Deck has the Marvel license, and they've got a nice set coming out, I believe, in May, the Black Panther They've got Black Panther set. That's kind of a highly anticipated set. And,
0: and with the then- Avengers Infinity War coming out, that's going to make them even more enticing.
5: Exactly. And there are a couple of the smaller cards that are always coming out. The small, the smaller companies that are always coming out with uh, non-sport releases like Doctor Who. A friend of mine who's an artist just did a bunch of artwork for the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 release. I believe that was a Rittenhouse release. I'm not sure on that. The superhero shows on TV, the, like Arrow, The Flash, all them, they all have their own releases with pieces of wardrobe that the people have actually worn on the show, you know, built in the cards, different cast members, autographed cards, things like that, that really add value to the product
0: and make them highly collectible. People love them. I like them. Oh, that's great news indeed for those of us in pop culture that might be a, a little bit hesitant, like you said at one time to get into the sports card realm, but would like to go ahead and start trading cards. So that is a positive sign that that part of the marketplace is now bigger than ever as far as that's concerned, but also a great way to ease into the sports card realm as well. So that's, that's awesome indeed. One last, actually two last questions I have for you. I want to hear your thoughts one last time on some final advice on if somebody's actually stepping into it, what final advice do you give them? Or if they're actually maybe uh, already got into it and they, they're looking for help as far as for some a final bit of advice on sports card trading.
5: Advice in sports card trading. Let's see. I would just look at, like, what would I have wanted somebody to tell me when I was first starting to get in the sports cards? Because I was kind of like you. I was kind of out of it a little bit in the 90s, and I kind of just slowly got back into it during the 2000s. And now I'm, I'm in it pretty heavy with the podcast and everything. Do your research on what what you want to get into and what you want to do. It's easier than ever to do research on cards now. I mean, between all of the Facebook groups, Twitter, all the major card companies and all the, the grading companies and just assorted people on Twitter that would be glad to help you. Don't jump into a bunch of purchases until you've priced what you're thinking about buying. Check eBay. You can You can check eBay to make sure you're not paying... You know, an absorbent amount for a card. I mean, I'm not talking about 5 or $10, but some people will get ripped off, say, spend $100 on a $20 card. That's not what you want to do. So You can check the prices on eBay to check and see what cards like the one you're looking at have sold for. So that's kind of a guide, you know, a way to do research. Take your time with it. Don't rush into buying anything. Like right now, a lot of people buy and sell stuff not only on eBay, but they'll do trades and... In the Facebook groups and on Twitter, they'll just buy directly from person to person. And obviously, if you do that, you want to know the person that you're dealing with because, you know, it's with anything you don't know. If you don't know who you're dealing with, you're sending money to somebody. You don't know if you're ever going to get that card sent to you in return. So that's, you know, just an obvious thing. Yeah, just do your research mainly.
0: That's awesome to hear. Before I let you go, you got to tell me about your awesome podcast. Like I said, I've been listening to it, but you, you need to tell everyone out there that's listening to us here why that sports card show podcast is the place to go for everything sports cards and major collectibles. Try tried to make my podcast like the
5: podcasts that I like to listen to. And the podcast that I like to listen to just basically have a conversation between not too many people, but usually just like a one-to-one conversation where you can kind of really... Get in depth on topics, you know where you can really get into things and get the who the what the where the why, and the the how to and you really kind of get to know somebody our our shows are usually about between forty minutes and an hour, and you know we we won't just talk about sports cards we'll talk about uh, just anything that is going on with the person like our most recent podcast we had a producer and director Stu Stone on, and Stu has a documentary he has just completed called Jack of all trades that is about the sports card industry during the junk era we've been talking about. And it's about because his dad at the time was one of the biggest sports card hobby shops operators that was in Canada at the time. He had like, I think he said 11 different stores. And he started from one store and within three years he had 11, 11 stores open up and that's how big it exploded all at once but he goes into just everything in his documentary about the sports card industry and what happened to it and then it kind of takes a turn uh, like a personal turn between him and his dad but that's just the last guest we've had we've had a couple other people on who have talked about their days in collecting like uh, Slim Jim Phantom, the drummer from the Stray Cats Danny Boy O'Connor from the House of Pain you know the jump around song you know <laughs> we've had assorted athletes and uh we had Dan Severn on talk about collecting and just and whoever you know not just celebrities or sports people we'll just just be the guy next door. Try to have an interesting conversation is what we're trying to do.
0: Once again, it's that sports card show podcast. You can catch it today on Apple Podcasts and also Stitcher as well. If you have any inclination at all into getting into the sports card or non-sports card market as far as trading, buying, investing. It's a cannot-miss podcast. And also, if you're just interested in, in learning more about the sports card world, it, you just you, you got to listen to it. It's just an awesome show indeed. And my best to you and the show. And you're always welcome to return to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.
5: Well, I've had a lot of fun here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, and I would like to come back maybe someday
0: vince it's been so great having you on the podcast we truly appreciate you taking the time to talking to us here about some great sports card action at the pop culture cosmos
3: if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
0: And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Thanks again for listening to us. This is Gerald Glassford, and we truly appreciate you again you checking us out and listening to us and hanging out for us for this past hour. If you get a chance, you got to check out the video documentary that Rob McCallum has just put out there. The Kitty documentary covering the all female heavy metal band that roared through the early two thousands and, and really just set a number as far as the music industry is concerned. You got to check out his video documentary and also the accompanying DVD and blu-ray box set it's right there to order on amazon and it drops today so you got to check that out i want to thank also as well vince atullo from that sports card show i want to thank him again for taking the time to speak to us and again if you got if you're interested at all in the sports card market or thinking about picking it back up or you just need some tips on what cards you may be leaning towards you got to check out his show that sports card show Josh, before we head on out, I want to hear some thoughts from you on another movie in our breakdown as we get closer and closer to Avengers Infinity War. We're inside of a month, my friend, to Avengers Infinity War and big Thanos coming to wreak havoc on on all of our Avengers friends and buddies and whatnot. But one of the first times they kind of got together was in the Avengers Age of Ultron movie. This uh, 2015 movie came out. It was the big follow-up to the original Avengers movie. And it did quite well, earning over $1 billion at the box office. In fact, close to a billion and a half. So I ask you, Josh, with all that said and done, and the fact that Ultron was, to me, I thought, going to be bigger and more important and a larger-than-life character that was going to sustain himself more than one movie... Do you think that Age of Ultron, when all is said and done, with all that's been taking place since, will be the forgotten Avengers movie?
4: You know, I want to say no, but it probably will, just because, you know, like Captain America Civil War kind of dwarfed it.
0: That's why I said it, because Captain America's
4: Civil War was going to be something that I know
0: that, like you said, was something that a lot of people would go to a lot better.
4: Yeah, and I know that... The events that transpired in Age of Ultron are the cause of the Civil War movie, but I think that it, it you know, it faced a lot of backlash. one, because people were really attached to that comic book, you know, as far as the uh, what what takes place and how Ultron comes to be and all that stuff. And then two, Ultron had the unfortunate positioning of being just another stepping stone, you know, another setup character. Like they needed him to tie that story. To get or bring those characters together so that those characters can progress into the greater Marvel universe. And that that was unfortunate. And, you know, there's some of the things I, I wanted to talk about. This was that Tony Stark in Civil War, like that, that whole turnaround thing was really weird to me because he went from being like this funny, charismatic character to this like dark like super dark character. And like, I didn't really, I don't really like that that much. I don't really appreciate it. So I'm hoping they bring back some of the old Tony Stark in infinity war.
0: But you you saw why, if you're watching civil war, which we'll get into more when we actually break that movie down, but you understand why that happened as far as civil war is concerned. I mean, you, you saw what things were done in Avengers age of Ultron that caused him to have that kind of stress out moment. And what was brought to his attention as far as the, casualties and the, and the byproduct and the collateral damage that can happen because of what took place in Avengers Age of Ultron.
4: No, I totally get that. But they didn't, the change shouldn't have been so like, like that, you know, it should have been like maybe a, a couple more things leading into it because, you know, by the time Civil War ended, I hated Iron Man. I don't even, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't watch another movie with Iron Man. I mean, I would, but like, you know, I wouldn't, you know, he's not, he's not really a character that I enjoy anymore. And I wish they would have done a little more buildup. But, you know, as for the rest of... Uh,
0: well, I will ask you this. Did you like him a lot more when he kind of returned to that role in Spider-Man
4: Homecoming? You know, that was cool. I It was weird seeing him be like the dad. The one thing about Spider-Man Homecoming that annoyed me was that it relied so heavily on on Tony Stark and Iron Man. Like, everything that Peter was trying to do was to impress him. And, like, that wasn't... That kind of bothered me a little bit just because... As you know, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the Amazing Spider-Man films, but that you know, it's another discussion. Yeah, but back to uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, it was. You know, does that make sense? Like, Ultron was a stepping stone character. You know, he didn't get his time to shine because they needed his story arc to bring all the other characters together that would eventually lead into other films. So he didn't really get his chance to like be the big villain he was. Like, it would have made more sense to make him like an overarching villain in one of the phases. In- because in the comic books, he's absolutely terrifying. Uh,
0: he seems to me, as a casual comic books fan, because I'm nowhere near the comic book fan that you are. He seems to me, from a distance, that he is almost as big, if not just as big as Thanos, as far as the Marvel comic book universe is concerned.
4: Yeah, he's had several event series based on him, so that was that's why that whole thing was kind of weird, and. He- his reach went all over the world, and the movie, he just kind of went to one place, and that was the thing. Like, it was really cool. I love seeing the Avengers all fight together. I love seeing Hawkeye do his thing, but it, yeah, it just he didn't really get the credit he deserved, though I, you know, as a film, overall as a film, I really did enjoy watching Age of Ultron, but I didn't like some of the stuff that happened inside of it.
0: I can agree with you on that. As a movie itself, it's not bad. It's, It's entertaining. It's just what is now in there is kind of forgettable because of everything that has taken place since. And you're right. To me as well, Ultron is such a bigger part of the Marvel comic book universe. He should have gotten that same treatment. Although I could go again and again about how Captain Zemo should get that same effect and... When we get into Captain America Civil War, I'm definitely going to have some thoughts on that. But in regards to Ultron himself, there are actually points in time where he actually goes back in time or changes time, goes back and forth in time to go ahead and manipulate it in order to try and beat and actually defeat the Avengers at more than one point of time, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah. He's in the future Avenger story arcs, like when the you know about the avengers kids like in the i forget what what story that one is from but like he's he's the villain he's always the villain they've developed alternate timelines that strictly based on ultron so it's weird he's so massive but he's so tiny in this movie
0: exactly like he's just another marvel villain of the month club and that he was just disposed of quickly and that's it so kind of that part i i can understand as far as some some disappointment there but the movie as a whole, like I said, was okay, you know, but I really think that when it comes down to it, because so much has taken place since that, everything that happened in age of Ultron, it really now is very small, less important and only gets mentioned offhandedly like it did in civil war. As far as it was being referenced there, because at this point in time, it's, I don't think it's even going to be referenced anymore, any point, any point further. So, that that in itself is is a shame so to me i think age of ultron will be the forgotten avengers movie and that actually will, people will think that 10 years down the line josh when you and i are hopefully still doing the show that we're going to probably have another show and have another episode talking about how yes age of ultron did exist and it didn't go avengers number 1 in 2011 and then the next one was avengers civil war and we have to correct people no it's actually captain america civil war and it was not avengers and it was not an avengers movie unfortunately for age of ultron it's not going to be a movie that is going to be essential marvel viewing and that's a shame because it's a pretty solid movie indeed
4: still watch it though
0: what are your thoughts on avengers age of ultron have you seen it already have you forgotten about it already Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, the Manic Media, Game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glasser. It's another beautiful day right here in the BCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great... See?